Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lance, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people. Learn more about our next 633 event, the live stream church services, the Walk in Truth podcast, and how to donate and find us on social media when you visit walkintruth.com. Now, here's Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians 4, 12 through 20, called Until Christ is Formed in You. Galatians 4.12, I beg of you, brethren, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong. But you know that it was because of a bodily illness that I preached the gospel to you the first time. And that which was a trial 14 to you in my bodily condition, you did not despise or loathe, but you received me as an angel of God, as Christ Jesus himself. Where then is the sense of blessing you had? For I bear you witness that if possible, you would have plucked out your eyes and given them to me. So have I become your enemy by telling you the truth? They eagerly seek you, not commendably, but they wish to shut you out so that you will seek them. But it is always good to be eagerly sought in a commendable manner, and not only when I am present with you. My children with whom I am again in labor until Christ is formed in you. I could wish to be present with you now and to change my tone, for I am perplexed about you. You may be seated. Let's pray. Lord God, your word is a lamp to our feet, a light to our path. Your word, the writer of Hebrews says, is living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, It goes deep into our lives. And uh, as we study Galatians, we are now moving into a section where we're we're having more of a call to action. We've studied a lot of theology, and now we're going to get into more of the practical sections, especially in chapter 5. But Father, uh, sometimes we're confused about the goal of our own lives, and sometimes even maybe what the Christian life is all about. What is it that we're supposed to be aiming for? How do we figure this out? How do we live? And the truth of the matter is Galatians 4.19 says that the ministry is about until Christ is formed in us. We're to become conformed into his image. And Lord, would you help us, shape us this morning, make us a little bit more like you because we've been here today. Would you... uh, Lead us by your Holy Spirit and give us ears to hear what you would say to your body, your church, for your glory. In Jesus' name I pray, all God's people said, amen, Amen. until Christ is formed in you. You know, uh, you spend enough time in the ministry and you begin to uh, look at trends and ask questions about, okay, so what are we doing here? (laughs) Maybe you've asked that. Maybe you've walked into a church building and asked the question, What is it that I'm supposed to be aiming for? What is the target of all of this? Is this just about me coming somewhere once a week, singing some songs and moving on to my normal everyday life? If I were to ask you right now, what do you think it is that shapes you the most? What is it that is coming into your life that has the most major shaping influence in your life? How would the persons closest to you say, 
oh, this is, this is definitely what this person's about. They're shaped by this. This is what they spend the bulk of their time. How would that be answered? These, these are good questions, and these are questions that relate directly to the Christian life. And Paul is concerned about the Galatian believers because they're being influenced by false teaching. And that false teaching is beginning to have an impact on how they view themselves, how they view the Christian life, how they view the goal of the Christian life. And Paul's arrival into town was not an arrival on a white steed with a very powerful speaker. As much as we enjoy that, as much as our culture celebrates uh, strength and boldness, Paul did not come into town uh, that way. In fact, he tells the Galatians, when I first came and preached the gospel to you, I was sick. In fact, uh, you, you may have thought just to look past me because of my bodily condition. But isn't it amazing to think about the people that have had such a huge impact on our culture? People like Nick Vujicic with no arms and no legs. People like Johnny Erickson Tata, who's been a quadriplegic since she was 18 years old. And she said she wouldn't trade her wheelchair for anything in this world. Because God has used her weakness to bring many into the kingdom of God. And in the upside-down kingdom that we find ourselves in and we find the God that we serve, he takes weakness and turns it into strength. John the Baptist said, he must increase, I must decrease. Was it Jehoshaphat in the Old Testament who said, Lord, we don't know what to do, but our eyes are on you. The Christian life is not about you becoming stronger. It's actually about you dying so that Christ can be more manifest in your life. And this is what God is doing. He's conforming us more into his image. And one of the main tools that he uses to do that conforming work is his word. And you sit before his word, and you're like, wow. You know, you, you hear God's word, and you hear what he wants from you and the inner man and in your life, and you realize how much forming he has yet to do, if you're like me. <laughs> Still a long way to go, right? So Paul says in verse 12, I beg you, I plead with you, brethren, because, become as I am, for I also have become as you are. You have done me no wrong. If you have an NIV, it says, I plead with you, brothers, become like me, for I became like you. Now, who was Paul prior to his conversion? A very proud Jewish man, a Pharisee, a Hebrew of the Hebrews, very proud about his pedigree, very proud about his position, very proud about his lineage, very proud about everything that he was. And that, that proud attitude caused him to look down on a lot of people. Everybody was kind of just a step or two or three down from somebody like Paul. A Pharisee. He had reached the, you know, the, the height of heights in terms of his position and how people saw him. If he walked through the marketplace, certainly he would get people saying, ooh, there's Saul of Tarsus. Wow, what a guy. So spiritual. And you know what? After a while, if you have that kind of position and power in society, you begin to believe the press about yourself. And then this movement came. This movement about Jesus of Nazareth being the Messiah and Saul of Tarsus could not stand for it and he was going to stamp it out. 
He believed that he was doing God a favor. And there he was when Stephen was being stoned and he threw the black stone is what the language could say. He voted against Stephen. Yes, he must die. And as Stephen is dying and people are laying their coats or cloaks at the feet of a young man named Saul, Stephen said, Lord, don't hold this sin against them. There are many scholars that believe that the early seeds of faith were planted in Saul's life, who became Paul, our author, by the witness of a dying man named Stephen, who said, I, I'm, I'm looking up into the heavens and I see Jesus standing at the right hand of the throne of God. What was Saul to make of that? He was a Jew. He didn't believe that Jesus was the Messiah. He thought he was justified in killing this rogue movement and one of its spokesmen, Stephen, should die. But all of a sudden, he realized how wrong he was. On the road to Damascus, when Jesus humbled him and he got knocked to the ground, Who are you, Lord? I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. What would you have me to do? Get up, you'll be shown what you must do. He became God's chosen instrument, but he went from strength to weakness to go back to strength. Everybody with me? This is the Christian life. You go from thinking you're strong to realizing how broken and weak you are to finding a strength that is outside of you or inside of you. Amen? It's the power of the Holy Spirit. And so now... Paul's concern is that the Galatians are so enamored with the Mosaic law, even though they're largely Gentiles, Paul's saying, you want to go back to something that I broke away from. He says in verse 8, if you just go back for a moment so we can reset where we are, he says, he says now, let's go to 9, now that you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God, how is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again. Ten, you observe days and months and seasons and years. I fear for you that perhaps I have labored over you in vain. The language in verse 12 might be a little confusing, but when Paul says, become as I am, I think what Paul is essentially saying is become free from thinking the law saves you. Become free from thinking that you find life from keeping the law. You cannot. The law, if there was a law that could impart life, it would have been given. If keeping rules and regulations saves you, then that would have been given to mankind. But you can't be saved that way. And the guy who was the epitome of keeping the law, celebrated for keeping the law, realized that the law that he thought would give him life actually killed him. And he's saying to this group of Gentile believers, don't go to that. That's what I discovered was actually driving me to Jesus, was this need for a Savior. In Galatians 2.19, if you look back for a moment, these are some of the bedrock verses of the book. It says, for through the law, Galatians 2.19, for through the law I died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. But these Galatian believers are trying to go back to the law. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Join Pastor Michael Lance for the next 633 event called Race, Injustice, and Critical Theory, using scripture to define humanity with guest Monique Dusan. We do hold the premise that critical race theory is not the way forward, but we also affirm that racism is still real. You know, so if you're someone who believes that all racism is a thing of the past because we had the civil rights era and we've, you know, done some work to overturn some laws, we will challenge that narrative as well. Come willing and open to learn and ask good questions because what we don't want to do is just, you know, tell people this is what you should think. We want to create a space where we are creating a framework, so to speak, where people can gather knowledge and then be able to think critically about these things for themselves as well. Race, Injustice, and Critical Theory Using Scripture to Define Humanity will be on Sunday, August 16th at 6.30 p.m. at Living Truth Christian Fellowship in Corona, California. This free 633 event will also be live-streamed on YouTube on the Living Truth Christian Fellowship channel. Visit walkintruth.com and click on Church for more information and directions. That's walkintruth.com and click on Church. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walk in Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance right here on Walk in Truth. Become free from thinking that you find life from keeping the law. You cannot. The law, if there was a law that could impart life, it would have been given. If keeping rules and regulations saves you, then that would have been given to mankind. But you can't be saved that way. And the guy who was the epitome of keeping the law, celebrated for keeping the law, realized that the law that he thought would give him life actually killed him. And he's saying to this group of Gentile believers, don't go to that. That's what I discovered was actually driving me to Jesus. Was this need for a Savior. In Galatians 2.19, if you look back for a moment, these are some of the bedrock verses of the book. It says, for through the law, Galatians 2.19, for through the law I died to the law that I might live to God. I have been crucified with Christ, Galatians 2.20. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. The life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and delivered himself up for me. Through the law, I died to the law that I might live to God. But these Galatian believers are trying to go back to the law. Now we've mentioned that keeping Torah, keeping the, the law is not a bad thing. You just can't do it to think it saves you. That's the distinction that we've made. And if you were to go out with a microphone into the streets of Corona, Riverside, wherever you want to go, and you ask people, how do you think you become right with God? You might be shocked at how many people will begin to give you their resume about how good of a person they are. You think you're a good person? Yeah, I'm a pretty good person. Why do you think you're a good person? Well, you know, I'm not as bad as that guy down the street, and I think I've, been, I've done pretty well, and people love to talk about themselves. Yeah, you know, back in the, you know, in the 90s, you know, I helped somebody across the street, and, you know, I... And, or they'll start to appeal to things that they've done. I was baptized when I was eight, and uh, was at a church camp in 1976, and uh, <laughs> it's like, what? See, what we do is we begin to appeal to a resume, 
God should let me in because I've done, and then we'll make our bullet point list. This, 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 and this. Paul says no. In Philippians 3, uh, and I'll tell you, it's worth turning there. It's a little bit to your right, just a few pages. Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians 3. Paul goes through his resume as a Hebrew of the Hebrews, as a Pharisee, his profession. And he even says, when it came to the law, I was blameless. That's Philippians 3, 6. He says in 7, but whatever things were gained to me, those things I have counted as a loss for the sake of Christ. Philippians 3, 8. More than that, I count all things to be loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish in order that I may gain Christ. And may be found in him, Philippians 3, 9, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. That I may know him, this is my life's goal, Paul might say, and the power of his resurrection, and I like to stop there personally, but I'm going to read the whole verse. And it says, and the fellowship of what? His sufferings being conformed to his death. See, the conforming that God wants to do in our life, if you turn back to Galatians, is a conforming both in death and resurrection as a type or a metaphor. Let me explain. When you come to know Christ, you have to die to the old ways of thinking, the old ways of life. You're crucified with Christ, Galatians 2. We just read it. To rise to a life that you could have never known in your own strength and power. Everybody with me? I've, I've written to... Uh, my own son, and to other leaders, and I've said this about ministry. And I think this is true of the Christian life. You will know depths that few men and women will know. And you will know heights that few men and women will know when you serve Christ. Martin Lloyd-Jones, a famous preacher of the couple generations ago, was, uh, he preached, he was a medical doctor who had become a Christian he had preached a sermon about a 45, 50 minute message. He sat down on the front row. There was a young man who was very excited to hear, you know, Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones and kind of shadow him and, and uh, you know, learn from him. And Jones preached the sermon and the young man was all excited. And he said, Dr. Jones, how do you feel? How do you feel? How do you feel? And the old doctor said, tired. <laughs> I'm tired. But how do you feel? This young man really wanted to know. And he said, son, how I feel is that what I just did is probably the closest that a man will ever get to giving birth. <laughs> Shocked the young man. But see, to be poured out in God's service is what Martin Lloyd-Jones was talking about. To deal with the spiritual reality of the spiritual battle. To deal with my flesh, the world, the devil. The closer you get to God, the more sinful you realize you are. Anybody get there, right? 
And you start to wrestle with my inward thoughts and what kind of man am I in the inward parts where God really sees me, not how I can impress most of the people most of the time. That's not what this life is about. This life is about a surrender. This life is not being conformed to the world, but being transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove, Romans 12, 2, what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. Step back, brethren. What shapes our culture? What shapes the church culture right now? How do we define success? That Christ is being formed in the people here or the number of seats that we fill? See, the church has to step back and begin asking questions about what the goal of ministry actually is. And here's what it is. It's until Christ is formed in you and me. Woo-wee. <laughs> and he chisels away. And he chisels. 1 Peter 1.14 says, As obedient children, don't be conformed to the former lusts which were yours in, ig- in ignorance, 1 Peter 1.15, But like the Holy One who has called you, be holy yourselves also in all your behavior, because it is written, You shall be holy, for I, I am holy. The goal of the Christian life is to become like the Holy One, and we can see how far we have to go, right? And we see how patient He is with us, and how good He is, and how faithful He is. And so Paul says to the Corinthians, imitate me as I imitate Christ. The Christian life is about impartation and imitation. Let me explain. Before I can imitate my Father, I need the life of the Spirit in me. That's the impartation. He imparts life to me. And then my Christian life is also about imitation. I'm to become more like my Father, to whom I cry out, Abba, Father, we saw in Galatians 4. In Ephesians 5, 1, it says, Therefore, be imitators of God as beloved children, and walk in love, just as Christ also loved you. Husbands, a little later in Ephesians, love your wives just as Christ loved the church. You've been listening to Until Christ is Formed in You, Part 1, on Walk in Truth, Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 4, verses 12 through 20. And don't forget, if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen on walkintruth.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, if you'd like to connect with our church, we've got a free app that lets you know everything we're doing here online and in person. You can connect with us, learn about the adult and kid Bible studies, when our church services are, our next free 633 event on August 16th, and you can listen to the podcast. So download the Living Truth app from your app store today. It's the one with the red logo with the pillars. Now, here's Pastor Michael. Well, in this insightful little passage in Galatians chapter 4, we have the goal of the Christian life. The goal of the Christian life is until Christ is formed in you. That's what Paul's goal was for the Galatians. That's Christ's goal for his church. That's the pastor's goal as he teaches and preaches and leads until Christ is formed in each and every person in the congregation. Now, what does that mean? 
until Christ is formed in me. Well, as we are shaped and molded, I want you to think about the idea of a a piece of clay molded, shaped into something beautiful. The goal of our life, and it takes time and effort as the potter, the master potter does his work, uh, is to shape us more into the image of his son, not into looking like Jesus. We don't know what Jesus looked like anyway, but more into the moral character of Christ, the heart of Christ, um, so that he shows through in everything we do so that people know we've been with Jesus and we belong to him. That's what we're getting at with until Christ is formed in you. Well, I'd like to invite you to our Wednesday night service. We are starting a new study in the book of Zechariah, a very intriguing Old Testament book that is filled with uh, prophecy and uh, incredible insights. The book of Zechariah, Wednesday nights at Living Truth Christian Fellowship. We'd like to invite you to come on out and be here in person to experience a worship service. We begin at 7 p.m. on Wednesday nights. The service is also live-streamed on our YouTube channel, which you can link to when you go to walkintruth.com, click on the church tab, and you'll get to our YouTube channel. And you can join us for Wednesday night service. If you've been away for a while, maybe you've been disconnected from church, what a great way to get plugged in again. Check it out on YouTube. We'll be here on Wednesday night at 7 o'clock. And we'll be right here tomorrow continuing on Until Christ is Formed in You. God bless you. Lord willing, we'll see you right here. Join us tomorrow for part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Galatians chapter 4, 12 through 20, called Until Christ is Formed in You. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.